Thank you, choir and orchestra. That was absolutely stunningly beautiful. So thank you for those Thanksgiving words this day. So our scripture this morning is from Paul's letter to the church in Philippians in chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, the very beginning of the letter. And our text for today was written by Paul while he was in prison. Scholars know that this was probably written during Paul's second missionary journey, and he was in prison awaiting trial by the Roman government at the time. So when you read this text today, I want you to keep in mind that not only are you reading someone else's mail, but you're reading a letter from prison. And we learn that the church in Philippi, which is in present-day Greece, sent a member of their church to visit Paul and Timothy. His name was Ephrodotitus. That is not easy for me to say. Ephrodotitus was his name, and he even got sick and nearly died on his journey, but he made it and survived and brought a gift to Paul while he was in prison from the church. And so everything, when we read this letter, everything that Paul writes, he doesn't know the future. He's writing from prison. His life and future are uncertain. And this is how he begins his letter to the church. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. And it is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I long for all of you with compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Now in ancient times there was a common format for writing letters, open with greetings, share your authority by which you speak and offer a brief thanksgiving before you dive in to what you really want to write about. Paul the apostle, this one-time Christian hunter and hater, always, always mentioned his authority. In Colossians and 2 Corinthians, he writes, Paul, an apostle by the will of God. In Galatians, he says, Paul, an apostle, not from man nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Philippians is different. Paul doesn't boast about his authority. He doesn't offer his credentials to his readers. He simply says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. That's how he opens his letter. He's humbled not because he is in prison, but because of the generosity of the church in Philippi who has sent someone all that way to offer something to help make his days easier to bear. 
because they've remembered him, and he's just so thankful. Gone is the brash leader. Here is the humble servant who is just so grateful. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, he says. And he doesn't just offer a brief sentence of gratitude. Listen to what he writes. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy and every one of you for my prayers because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. He sits in prison. His future is uncertain. Who knows if he will ever see the light of day again. If it were me, if I were the one sitting there in prison in the first century, my letter most certainly would have included about how miserable I am, how terrible the food is, how I can't get a good night's sleep at night. Please, church, next time send a pillow or something. But no, Paul doesn't do that. In fact, Philippians is one of the most eloquent and beautifully written letters in all of the New Testament. It's just so beautiful. I thank my God every time I remember you. He's grateful. He's in prison, and he's grateful. Of all the virtues of the Christian life, gratitude is something we are all supposed to be good at. Even though Thanksgiving isn't a Christian holiday per se, it's, it fits great, right? Because Thanksgiving, gratitude, that is supposed to be us. Christianity 101, we're supposed to be good at gratitude. But maybe as we drag ourselves into the last bit of 2020, maybe gratitude It's just a little harder to come by right now in your life. And it's not just because, well, I know that many of us will be having Thanksgivings that we don't typically have. The table will be smaller, we'll be missing loved ones we wish we could be with. But it isn't just this pandemic. I'm mindful that through this time of COVID-19 in our nation and world, It's not just that that itself is stressful. It's just that it also makes everything else stressful as well. Everything seems harder or more painful to go through. Your dog eats your couch. Your sister hurts your feelings. Work is stressful. Suddenly, you become a homeschool parent. Oh, my gosh. Uh, You get a cough and a cold, yikes, everything is scarier, everything is more stressful and harder, and gratitude, gratitude, right, gratitude. This week I read a story, well I heard a story actually from someone online that shared something that had happened in her life, and I wanted to share it with you because it was such a neat encounter, and this woman said that she was in New York City, bumper-to-bumper traffic, cold day recently, and she was waiting to go in through the toll booth. And as she was sitting in traffic, waiting for her turn, and she was watching this toll booth operator do her thing, she started to think, think that being that job, a toll booth operator, has to be a really 
hard and not fun job. You sit in a little booth and you're all by yourself all day long and you have to lean out into the elements of cold and rain and it just seems monotonous. And she thought, you know what? I'm going to bless this lady today and I'm going to give her a $5 tip when I go through the line. And so when she got up to the toll booth, um, she said hello to the toll booth lady and the toll booth lady said hello to her and she gave her her money. And then the lady in the booth looked at her into the car and said, I hope you're doing all right in these hard days. And the woman said, oh, yeah, I am. Thank you. Thank you. And she said, well, good, good, because I hope you have a blessed day. And she handed the woman back her change. And in that very moment, the lady in the car, she just sort of pushed back that $5 and said, here, I want you to have this. And the lady looked at the money, and she looked back at her, and she said, oh, honey, I don't need this. I have everything I need. And she handed her the money back. And the lady in the car said, okay, thank you. And she was about to drive away when the lady in the booth said, listen, um, if you see somebody who looks hungry, if you see somebody who's cold today, give them that money and tell them it comes from me. And the woman said she would, and she thanked her, and she drove off. And, you know, she said that people never cease to amaze her. But when I heard that story, I realized that that woman in the toll booth is someone who has learned how to live a life in gratitude. I have everything I need. And it's funny, you know, because that woman in the car pulled up thinking she was going to be the one offering the blessing and she drove away realizing she was the one who was blessed. The great Christian Church Disciples of Christ pastor and teacher Fred Craddock said that he has never known someone who is grateful, who is at the same time small, sniping, bitter, judgmental, or unloving. And he's right. He's right. Paul was rotting away in some jail cell, not sure if he would live or die, suffering for his faith, and instead of throwing a pity party, he just had to tell the church how grateful he was. I thank my God every time I remember you. He's daring to sing in the dark. He's daring to proclaim in the midst of the jail cell the goodness of God that is still present in his life, even while he was in prison. You know, that's the thing about gratitude. It can be even in the midst of a prison cell where your cup runneth over. Paul was so touched that the church... He helped to start, that the people he helped to baptize and to bury and to encourage along the way, he's touched that the church is showing up for him now when he needed it. And he's humbled and he's filled with gratitude because of it. In her book, Help, Thanks, Wow, The Three Essential Prayers, Anne Lamont mentions that she grew up in a home 
that was not religious, and they never prayed before meals, not even before Thanksgiving. But now, as an adult, she and her siblings have all, in their own way, found their way to faith. And they always, when they get together at Thanksgiving, they always, always now pray before the Thanksgiving meal. And she had this great sentence in her book that I have always loved. She said, I think we're in it for the pause. The quiet thanks for love and for our blessings before the shoveling begins. I think we're in it for the pause. So do me a favor. For just a moment, wherever you are in this room, on the radio, at home, do me a favor and practice the pause. And pause with me and give thanks for the gifts of your life right now, this very day. I thank my God every time I remember you. And this is our prayer, church, on this Thanksgiving week. That your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen.